Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, lax rats alike, welcome back to another episode of the Crease Dive. Today is Friday, June 4th. The Virginia Cavaliers are your back-to-back NCAA national champions. And on top of that, we've got the start of the PLL season getting going later tonight. What? A goddamn time to be alive, and what a time to be a Lax fan. I'm Jordy from Barstool. With me, as always, we've got Jake and Dukes on the mic. Shido, what an unbelievable game that we got to witness to cap off the 2021 college lacrosse season. How you doing? Dude, I'm I'm fantastic. I'm so grateful for you know the the fucking season that you know we were we were able to watch. I know that last year around this time we were pretty much just like sitting on our thumbs, you know, the fuck are we going to do? You know, what is there to talk about? You know, not that anybody, you know, loves listening to us. They do it because they have to. Uh, but just, you know, the, the general vibe last year was super down. And for us to have, you know, just a, a an all-time classic season, you know, uh, capped off with an all-time classic game. Like, you know, that's, you know, that game's going to be talked about for a long time. So, I'm very pleased. Um, I mean, Dukes, Dukes, you were there. You know, the, the energy, the energy uh, from the T, from me screaming at my TV um, and, and you getting to see it in person, very different, very contrasting, I'm sure. I mean, I really can't explain how, how electric that atmosphere was at the rent. I mean, the rent was bopping. I, I don't think the rent was that loud since the Dan Orlovsky days when he was slinging the pigskin uh, for UConn. But I mean, I was in the Virginia stands. Those guys, those guys get after it. I mean, 100% they were the loudest uh, fans. And I mean, it was like, as much as it was the national championship, that was also Lax Twitter's national championship. That was the one day. We get like one to two days a year where people tune into Lax Twitter and they actually give a shit. Shout out Big Cat. He was writing about lacrosse. Uh, it was just an awesome game. I mean, for any lacrosse fan too, uh, I mean, any non-lacrosse fan, if you had to show them one game and be like, this is why lacrosse is fucking awesome. That was the perfect game. Dukes, I'm pretty sure you're going to have to start paying tuition to Virginia after that performance that you were putting on in the stands. You were, you were full-blown Wahoo student nation mode. Well, I told Jake, like, when we were just, like, shooting the shit, I was, like, I was walking through the tailgate, and someone goes, that's the kid that said ND by five. And I'm walking through, and I'm buzzing a little bit. I go, who's by five? Who's by five? And I start getting like yelled at, like just like just fucking around with everyone. But really, I like I knew a couple of Virginia guys, and they were like, "No, just come with us, like stick with us." And I mean, that, what a time! That was a great, great time. Um, yeah. Un- unbelievable time. And and you were almost right. There there was a point where it was looking like it was gonna be who's by five, but then uh, Maryland coming storming back with an unbelievable comeback effort that failed uh, just a little bit short. Um, to, to make this one of an all-time classic games. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, guess what? The Virginia Cavaliers, they've got a guy by the name of Connor Schellenberger on their roster. Maryland didn't. They also had Matt Moore on their roster. Maryland didn't. So uh, just like what a fucking game out of those two. And Connor Schellenberger, four goals to assist as a red shirt freshman in the national championship game. The biggest state, like the PLL is, is obviously on a tear right now. They're going to the moon, but still at the end of the day, 
Memorial Day is the biggest stage that lacrosse has to offer. And for Connor Schellenberger to put on that type of performance as a redshirt freshman, holy shit, the balls on this kid. Shelly, I, I struggle to find words to describe Connor Schellenberger uh, simply because there, there, there's, there's no way that someone who's a redshirt freshman, you know, just how much he had to believe in Virginia and believe in the system and believe in Lars and what they were doing to, to wait. You know, I said this before, to wait and then get your COVID season, and now he's finally on the field, and he was just so dominant. Right. And, you know, I just the way he moves, the way he attacks the goal, you know, he'll be a Tuarton finalist next year, no doubt. And, you know, you'll hear a, a, a little bit of commentary uh, about uh, the man, Connor Schellenberger, coming up in our interview with Jack Rowlett of the PLL Chaos Lacrosse Club. Um, so that'll, you know, listen out for that. I know that's why you're actually here, not to hear us talk about championship weekend, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but Shelly, just uh, unbelievable player, great feat, attacks the goal like nobody's business. He's going to be a top player in the league um, or in, the, in all of college lacrosse, perhaps even the best player in college lacrosse. So um, just I'm, I was blown away by the game. You know, just the, the speed at which it was played. They fought for every ground ball. Um, you know, there were some big hits. There were some great plays. And, you know, we just – it wouldn't have been college lacrosse if we hadn't – if we hadn't a scene with three minutes left. Maryland was down two, and I believe they were man up with the ball. I was like, this is college lacrosse right here. Like, this is – it. like, they have an opportunity right here to tie the game, you know, Bada bing, bada boom. And unfortunately, that didn't happen for them, right? But like that just was college lacrosse to me. You know, the five goal comeback to, to sit right there and have the ball with, with you know, a couple minutes left, two minutes, unreal. Unreal. When we were in the stands for the Virginia section, just going back to Schellenberger, when Schellenberger went down the left hash, turned off his right hip, and just slung it top left. I literally put on my mask and like a couple kids in the stands, we go, that was so gross. We put on our masks and we're like, Oh, this is so gross. And I wasn't recording, <laughs> but it was, it, that was one of the, his reaction too got the boys so fired up, but yeah, also just like, no, neither goalie really played. I don't think their best games um, at all. Road really got saved at the end. I don't even think, I think he got lucky with that save, but uh, I thought, I thought the Virginia's defense again, was really impressive. Uh, like, I don't think that all 17 goals or 16 goals were on them. I actually think that the length, this is, this is actually hilarious. I was going to say the length bothered Jared Bernhardt, which I do think it did to a sense. But do you know how good you have to be to have five points and to still say that, like, oh, yeah, he's bothered a little bit? Um, he, but it did seem like, you know, like he wasn't shooting the ball particularly well, like 15% on his, like, shooting percentage. Not great. But, I mean, what a game. Uh, I, I think McNaney, McNaney, like, for a little bit, like, if you just shot it low, it was going in. So, um, it's a perfect lacrosse game. Yeah, I mean, I, Grant Amit said that. Grant Amit, excuse me, I, I will I, – I, Grant Amit, all right, as, as many times as we've mispronounced his last name, excuse me. Uh, he said that uh, Schellenberger is PLL ready as a freshman. Do we go 100%. that far? Hundred percent. Go that far? Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think he could play with the with the best of them. 
I think he'd be the number one. Like, if you if, – oh. Oh, he, he, oh, he oh, almost oh, said it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, you want to you run, run it back. Let's go. Run it back. Fire, fire from the hip. Let me, heat, let me heat it up. Here we go. I think that I would take him over Sowers, Teat, and – yeah. I put him as the number one pick in this draft. I'm dead that serious. That is spicy. I'm that is dead, spi- that is so dead spicy. Because he can do – like, Sowers needs to be – you know, like, Sowers is an ex-attackman, strictly, but Schellenberger can, like, can play anything. He can play out of the box. He can play at X. Like, he can do a multitude of things. Like, I don't – I think okay. he can fit him in seamlessly into any offense, where Sowers, on the other hand, like, could he – like, uh, probably, probably could come out of the box and all of that, but I just haven't seen it. Okay, okay. I, I, even over my, my – even over O'Neal? Like Brendan O'Neill I mean, playing in the PLL. I, I mean, Brendan O'Neill's another one where he could play the PL, PLL day one. Okay. But he, he, I mean, I'll take Shelly. Why, why wouldn't I take Shelly? He proved That's true. why. Like, he proved to me that he'll be a three-time Tourton finalist. I mean, if the Tourton finalist was a second half of the season award, he would be toe-in-toe with Bernhardt, in my opinion. I'd like to see the second half stats compared, like, Agreed. compared to each other. Agreed. I think if it was a second half, if, it, 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 totally agreed. Totally agreed. I know Jordy's just swiveling in his chair. He's saying yes. he's, he's trying to he's trying to process this take. I, I'm 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 trying to like figure out like because going into the game, like we had mentioned, where like Jared Bernhardt was the the best player going into that game. He's the the Tawarton. Uh, mm-hmm. It hasn't been out yet, but he's going to win the Tawarton. Um, and and he was the best player in the nation this year. But we mentioned that Schellenberger is definitely the most talented. Like. Like, uh, you you know, like Bernhardt is an athletic specimen, an absolute freak of nature. And I think that that is, is the, like, not the majority, but that is a huge reason why he is who he is. Um, Schellenberger's like also very athletic, but I think just like, as a, like, as a lacrosse player, like, I would say more polished than Bernhardt, I think more polished than almost anyone else in college lacrosse in terms of doing everything. I, I would say like the only thing that like maybe like I, I, I think I think like Sowers like is able a little bit more surgical in the sense like he like can kind of dissect the defense and just like maybe the the lax IQ is a little higher there. So like if we're making the argument, like do you take Sowers, Teat, or Schellenberger? Like I, I might still go Sowers just because, you know, playing against pros where you need to have that IQ to be able to get some stuff done against all these defenses. But like Shell but again, like that's Schellenberger as a redshirt freshman. So like by the time that he is a senior and he gets done playing full four seasons of college across and getting everything thrown his way because he's going to get like like teams are specifically game planning for him for the next three seasons mm-hmm. he's going to get everything thrown his way by the time that he's out of virginia and into the pros holy shit like like i i, I tweeted during the game that i think schellenberger needs to become the first player to declare early for the pll draft because it, it's going to get to the point where after we saw what he was able to do in the national championship like the college game is just going to be way too slow for him in like another year or so. Do you also like, I was talking about this in the preview last week where I was saying like, I think Sowers will be able to like get, get like beat by grill. And like, even though grill has quick feet and can like probably stay, I think grill did a fairly good job against Sowers. Schellenberger was shaking up grill. Like was getting separation, like 
I've never really seen. Um, I, I don't know. I'm so, I just get, I could talk about him all day. Impressive, impressive player. Yeah. I mean, just incredible game out of him. Uh, also, you know, Matt Moore stepping in with, with four and two, uh, another vintage performance on championship weekend out of him. Uh, Jeff Connor stepping in with three and one docs. I mean, just just going to go down the list of all the Philly boys who who showed out in this game. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the, the amount of, you know, different runs and, and the way that the runs in this game went where, you know, because not all runs are created equal. Um, so, you know, Virginia going out on a run to kind of build up that lead and you could just like kind of feel like with every celebration that they had, um, you know, Laviano getting it going, the whole bench mob coming out onto the field, storming the guys. And then the run that Maryland was able to go on to for that comeback where it's like a little bit more, um, you know, like, like you could tell, like it, it was just straight business. Like every, every time that Virginia scored or not Virginia, every time Maryland scored to kind of, uh, you know, chip away at that lead that Virginia had, like you could tell it was like, okay, like this is, this is who we are. This is what we do. Like get back to the face off stripe and let's, let's do this again. So, um, I mean, this game just had, it offered everything that, that we could have asked for. I mean, I'm trying to think if there's an element of the game that I did. I mean, we had, we had the pole goal, Jared Connors taken. We had the pole goal. Absolute um, maniac who would be we a had top some, line midi for so many teams. Just such a freak, right? Him and Ratliff in the PLL is like, is terrifying because you're like, Oh, Rat, rat, okay, rats were running off the field like it's fine. Like, oh, no, 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 here comes Jared Connors out of the box, right? He's coming right for me. Like, that, that's, that's so terrifying. Or having them, like, double pole a wing, just getting your, your, like, your patella tendon just sliced off of your knee, you know, like a fucking scalpel. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of those, like, an element of the game that we were missing, right? And there, was, there wasn't. There was, a, there was a nice lead. There was a battle. There was a face-off battle. It was and, a good and the comeback. fact that and the fact that it came down to that very last shot at the very last second, just very last shot in the very last second. You know, there was so like I saw, <laughs> I saw a bunch of fucking nerds. You know, every nerd in the country thought that the faceoff guy Weissman, last Weirman. name Luke Weirman, Luke excuse Weirman. me, Luke Weirman. They were like, if it were me, I simply would have you know, gone top left. Right. Or like, I would have, you know, <laughs> oh, gone, no. you know, they were, they were like, you're like, how do you miss that shot? Like that was everybody's question. Right? He's like, every 16 year old who has like their high school, you know, they're like 20 class of 2028, right. In their fucking bio was all on Instagram. Like, how do you miss that shot? Well, I got news for you. That was the shot to take, right. Road just play road, just kind of played it well, right. You put, you put the ball, you know, around hip height and you know, you're running down the field and that's just the shot that you take. It's not like a, it's not like a quite, I don't know how you critique that. Right. Like that's the shot. Right. The only, the only critique I would have, and like, this is like hindsight 2020 type of thing. Like, I, I understand the thought process bet- behind putting um, Bernhardt and Kyle Long on the wing for that yep. face-off just because, you know, low time, you got to get it up. And if you get it up, you got to go to the cage right away. Kyle Long is your fastest player. Jared Bernhardt is your best player. So, you know, if you can get it in one of their sticks, it's a good thing. Hindsight being twenty twenty, maybe I would have kept Bernhardt down at attack and just 
you know, had Kyle Long being the fastest player on the field getting to the ball because, you know, with, with, with Weirman getting that up, like, I think, you know, if, if Bernhardt's down there at attack, I bet he probably dishes it off to Bernhardt. And I know you can say, yeah, well, like Virginia probably would have had him covered up. They would have been like, don't yeah, let that's, what I, that's what I was going to say let, is don't slide off of Bernhardt. Don't, right? don't let number one get the ball. But I think that like Bernhardt is just such an athletic freak that he would have figured out a way to get open real quick for Weirman to hit him. And then like you put the ball in number one thing. But like, again, like that's like super, super nitpicky. I understand the thought process behind putting him on the wing, um, you know, and, and it just, you know, and, and unfortunately that one didn't drop for Weirman. But like, like the, the, again, the, the fact that it came down to that last shot, after you know there was a moment in that fourth quarter where it was like oh man like this has been such a such a good season and such a good game so far but it's it's a shame that it's going to end a little uneventfully well you know you'd be you'd be dead wrong so anyone who kind of left i don't think anyone did but if you would have left with like seven minutes remaining in the game you're uh you're a fool and a coward i also think that like going back to like weirman like the only reason that they were in the game was because of his face-off performance that day. Because Shockey got lit up at the beginning of the game. It looked like he was going to be P. Sala going 80%, Maryland not even touching the ball for a little bit. Weirman comes in, wins face-offs, wins that clutch face-off. And going back to Bernhardt on the wing, he, he causes so much attention that Jared Connors is like, I'm just going to stick on him. So that's how Weirman maybe possibly got that clean look, and that's mm-hmm. – Looking retrospectively, you're like, if you can get that clean look, obviously dish it off to Bernhardt and all that. But since he causes so much attention, um, you don't know. It's a good, it's a good I mean, it's a, it, it, is, it, it is a really good point, too. And, you know, if you had, like, you know, if, if you're, I guess, suppose the other thought process is if you took both poles, like if you, if you double polled the wing instead, right, and had a midfielder down at, at playing defense, then you would say, like, oh, hey, uh, you know, you were not going to slide and then probably the same thing happens, right? You know, you, the Weirman mm-hmm. still gets that same look. So I don't really see how Weirman doesn't get that look, right? I, I, you don't want to, you don't want to create a four on three situation, which gives them a dunk, right? And then you don't necessarily want to slide off of Bernhardt or Maltz or any of those guys who are, who are really good finishers. So, I mean, it, it was the play any way you look at it. And unfortunately the shot just didn't drop. I think road had him, kind of pinned for a, you know, a, a, a hip level shot. And mm-hmm. That's how, that's how it was. I think road just made it, made a, a great play and beat him. And, you know, kudos to Virginia being back to back champs. Right. You know, what was funny was, you know, how we were just talking about how everyone's like, you got to put that top left is people in class. Yeah, come on. Big, big cats, obviously not a lacrosse guy, but I saw him <laughs> go like that game was awesome. Should have gone low to high there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I did think that was. Like you imagine, that was <laughs> yeah, I'm just imagining Weirman how much shit he would have gotten if he had like stopped with like ten yards out and wound up and tried to put one low to high with his face off stick and just sent it fourteen yards over the cage. Yeah. Right? Just, 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 just hit the same answer that Schellenberger hit to just, just flip those hips, go low to yeah. high, and all. And yeah, all low to high. It All of a sudden, goes... it, it drills dubs in the in the Virginia section. <laughs> you know when you know when face. people you know when people like uh, growing up, everyone when they shoot the trash in the can, they go Kobe. Yeah. yeah. Like, when does it get to the point where people go low to high? They just like Mac O'Keefe, <laughs> Mac O'Keefe, and they just like yeah, Mac O'Keefe. Yeah. Good if uh, yeah, if Weirman just did a little Mac O'Keefe. <laughs> 
don't think that would have turned out very well. I think he would have been crucified on the internet. They would have they would have gotten rid of the face off. They, the NCAA would have they they said they would have said yeah. no more face off. No, can't 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 so. do that anymore. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, felt terrible for him at the end. Um, you know that uh, that was that was a, a, a tough scene. But um, but yeah, I mean, credit to Virginia. Um, you know, a, a team that like I don't want to say people were counting out Virginia, right? Like they're they're the defending national champs. I I don't you know I, I know um. You know, I, I know that they're kind of thrive or that they were thriving a little bit on the fact that, uh, you know, most people were picking Virginia to win this game, uh, especially with the um, inside lacrosse staff besides Ty Zanders. So I know uh, some of the Virginia boys were given a little bit of little, little bit of thanks for the uh, for the free gas for that one. But it's not like, you know, it's not like this was a team that came in like under the radar, but they they did have like a weird season where like people were constantly like, you know, do, do they still have it from that 2019 run? Like, I, like so many of these same guys are on that roster that won a national championship in 2019, but there were just moments in this season where it looked like things weren't clicking the way that we've seen them click before. Um, but you know, all the like th- like this is a, a championship caliber team who has obviously been there before knows what it takes to win on the on the final weekend of the season um and that you know that last little run that they went through with you know the beatdown of Georgetown in the quarterfinals um a huge gutsy win over UNC in the semifinals where they had to deal with that ride at the end. Um, and then, you know, being able to hang on for the very last second and, you know, come out on top as back-to-back champs, like just an unbelievable performance out of them. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I hate like the, the, um, you know, the trend in sports where like anytime someone wins, like it's, they have to like shout out to all the haters and, and the doubters, like, you know, and, and all the old takes exposed, um, you know, so I, I don't know if it was exactly something like that. Um, but what they were able to kind of show is like, they knew who they were the whole season and all they had to do was just get to that final weekend and they would be able to put it all together. And yeah, I think only thing. Go ahead. Dirk. You go, Jake. I think no, all, the go. only people, the only people who'd be able to do that and deservedly so would be Maryland. You know, if they if they had won, they would get to make their they could they could dunk old, on us, yeah, yeah, they well, could dunk on, on us YouTube, and on YouTube on me specifically and Ty yeah. Sanders, which add me. I mean, Dukes too, Dukes too for this. But in, yeah, but, but Notre Dame by five. I don't. It, it's it's just there. There is that trend in sports where it's like everyone counted us out, and you know, no one. Not really, no. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm saying like, oh, like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Count, yeah, 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 no, no, that, no. That, Virginia, we've always so, known so, Virginia's so there. It, it wasn't it wasn't that for Virginia, but the fact that they were able to like it's basically like they took that Duke blueprint where it's like, listen, like we might not be our best in the beginning of the season, but we know that if we get there, we'll have it figured out because we know what it takes. Yeah. That's exactly How do we right. feel about Lawrence Tickney? Like I was having this debate in the car. You know, we're talking best premier lacrosse program right now. It's gotta be Virginia, right? Lawrence yeah. has two I, I national mean, championships. Okay, that's more so, than John Tillman has in a decade. Yeah, but when you oh, okay, there's there's the T right there. Uh, <laughs> but that's like a LeBron stat, right? Like like LeBron like saying like 
LeBron, however many times he's been to the finals, right? And then however many times he's lost, but he's still in the finals every time, right? Like that's an unprecedented amount. Like was it like 13 in a row or something absurd yeah. that, you know, he, he went to. So there were those okay. years in a row that Virginia didn't win a single ACC game. Like multiple. Yeah. 100%, 100%. And I said that because I actually said that Maryland is the best program. Credit to me. I was arguing with a Virginia fan. You were. But I did definitely say in the past five years, Virginia could have that argument. Not 10, but five. Okay, so what are you talking about, right? So, like, what are you, what are you saying, like, the best program, like, like, a, like historical legacy? Because if you're talking, like, historical legacy, you look at, like, Syracuse, Hopkins, Princeton. Princeton. Uh, you know, those, those three are, like, just the, the pedigree at that Okay, no. So those are those three, like the like the biggest pedigrees. So like you're talking like who's the hottest right now? Like who's you know who are we going to see recruits trying to flip and go towards? Exactly, exactly. If you're a recruit and you're a sophomore in high school right now, you get a call from Maryland, Virginia, Syracuse. Where are you going? I mean, it would be between Maryland and Virginia, right? You know, what do the babes look like at Maryland versus what do the babes look like at Virginia? That's that's how my how my mind's working. Uh, I mean, okay, Virginia. Okay, so by but you'd have to look at like like how long am I going to have to wait to get on the field to make an impact, right? Both of those teams are fucking unreal in their depth, and with all the graduate transfers too, you also have to think about that. So, like, am I am I good enough to lobby for a red shirt? Am I, you know, am I going to wait three years and then transfer to f- fucking Adelphi or something and, and put up like, you know, 40 and 30? Like, like what, what is the, what is the, I don't know. It's very academically, right? You're going to go to Virginia. You know, academically, you certainly go to Virginia. But there's a lot, there's a lot to be said about Maryland probably being the most consistent team of the past 10 years. Um, I don't know what the, I guess, PFT would say like who has the nobody has the clutch gene, right? There's just there's not a clutch. No, nobody's wearing the clutch jeans. Nobody's got the Jinko jeans out there. Um, so, I don't know. Um, I I don't feel like that's like a fair thing to bring up, right? As a as a notorious Maryland hater, I don't. I I would disagree with somebody pulling the Tillman argument like, well, he's been in the final six times and he's only won one time. Like, I just, I don't think that that's like a fair, that's like a fair thing to, to, to bring up because he's been to the finals every time he's brought a team to the finals, you know, six times. It's, that's yeah, it's, it's, quite sustained, a, it's quite a few times. It's sustained success, but just like kind of, just like kind of walking over the finish line. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, like between Virginia Maryland and Duke at this point, I'd, I'd say it's kind of splitting hairs. Um, like obviously mm-hmm. Virginia is, is the hottest. They're back-to-back champs. And, you know, the last time that we saw a back-to-back champ was Duke in 13-14. Before that, it was Syracuse in 08-09. So, like, it, it's, it's not something that happens super frequently, um, at, at least not since, like, the dynasty eras of, like, that – those Bill Tierney Princeton teams um, or some of those Syracuse teams and like the early, well, I guess like the Gary gate era. Um, Even though one of those, I think technically got taken away, but uh, you know, so it's, it's something that's like ridiculously impressive. Um, I think it, it would really just like depend on like your parameters of like, you know, they're the best team in the past, two seasons are they the best in the past five you can make the case are they the best in, in the past 10 maybe not so much so um you know but 
like it's it's cool though that like we're able to have those conversations because like i i like it, it's not parody in the sense that like there are 60 or so division one teams who can go out there every day and anyone can beat anyone um but parody in, in terms of like the greatest like programs like that's that's fun to talk about um Oh, real quick. I, I just, we're, we're going to kick it over to our interview with uh, Jack Rowlett soon, but I, I did want to shout out to Charlie Bertrand because what a run that kid has been on the past three seasons of his, his career. So um, to go back to back in, in D2 with Mary Mack and then transfer on over to Virginia to help them capture um, back-to-back championships at the D1 level. So that's, that's three for him. Like I was, I was laughing a little bit seeing the, um, you know, that, that final championship photo. So you have, you know, guys like um, Connor Schellenberger in the, in the photo holding up the one, his first national championship guys like, you know, docs and Matt Moore holding up the two. And then in the back, you just see this giant mutant Charlie Bertrand holding up the three. Um, So, I mean, good, good for that guy. What a, what a run he's had unreal career right just in such a to be able to go to a new program and just make an impact like that just chef's kiss yeah caps off to charlie bertrand uh and also just quick shout out to the virginia boys on that bus i saw some of their live stories holy hell did they have a lot of fun um i'd love to kick it with those guys one day um i'm sure that they uh they'd have no problem putting down a couple yeah the uh the the boys were definitely getting after it on that bus ride back to back to charlottesville they uh and hey man you 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 went you went back to back you you earn every bit of that and i'm sure i'm i'm skeptical because i think that they could have taken a flight home but i think they just wanted a showboat and they're just like if we we go on the plane we can't drink so they were planning on taking the bus ride home because like we're gonna win this thing and we're gonna drink all the way back yeah kind of it's called being smart yeah (laughs) that's like virginia education Probably would have walked if they, if they had to, just to make that a little bit of a longer process, get a few more in. Um, but yeah, so Virginia, your 2021 NCAA national champions, caps off an unbelievable year in college across, one that we will remember for a while, one that we are all so very thankful that we were able to watch and witness. But coming on up this weekend, we've got the start of the PLL season, and we are going to get that underway with our interview with Chaos defenseman Jack Rowlett. All right, and joining us now, we've got a national champion out of the University of North Carolina. He just wrapped up uh, finishing off a season where he was an assistant coach with the Georgetown Hoyas who went on a nice little run to the quarterfinals, and he is gearing up for his third season in the PLL with the Chaos LC. It is defenseman Jack Rowlett. Jack, thanks for hopping on with us today, and uh, you know how, how's the week been getting ready for the season to start? No, I appreciate it, guys. It's uh, it's been good. It's been absolutely full speed. The uh, the COVID protocols actually aren't as bad as anticipated. Like last year's bubble was intense to say the least. So now they've been letting us kind of go around. We can go get food. We can drive around, do different things. Now they're all vaccinated. So that that aspect of it's been really nice. And on the field, I mean, this is. I think you've probably heard of like a lot of social media. You guys see Twitter, twit. You guys see Twitter and tweets all the time. With like, this is the most competitive. Uh, 
kind of training camp that there's ever been. I mean, just looking at the roster guys that got cut yesterday that like aren't on the 25 man anymore. Like that is a hell of a group of players right there that could probably play on a roster of their own. So now it's been, it's been so fast, but at, at the same time, like, you know, you always want to play at the highest level of lacrosse. So just ramping it up and, you know, it, it's been a real joy to be around so far. We saw the weather was a little shitty the first few days. Is it, has it uh, opened up for you guys yet? Yeah, we got about 72, 96 hours, almost four days of just like rain and crap and gray. And then like at seven o'clock last night, like the sun just opened up over the horizon and literally it was like we made it out of the dark winter. But uh, now it's nice now. It's like 75 and sunny. I think we might get rain tomorrow and Friday during the game. Like during the Friday game, they have a chance of rain, but my guy on Saturday, so I don't really care. I think we should be sunny and fine. It's definitely it's definitely nice. Everyone in Foxborough says that uh, says that that's what the weather's like. I mean, I've never really been up here before. They say it's like very bipolar like that, but now it's looking better. Oh, uh, I saw horrible yesterday. Place that, horrible place that hosts the horrible football team. But go ahead, Dukes. I saw yesterday that the uh, the Chrome got you guys' number. Uh, what did AT have to say in the uh, film session? I'm sure he didn't have nice words to say. Nah. So yeah, I mean. AT's doing his job, and, like, I totally respect that. He 100% ripped into us, and I think that was well-deserved. Kind of his message was, you know, we got a lot of talented players. We also got a lot of big personalities, and that can't clash, and it definitely can't clash when we're going outside of scheme and outside of system. And, you know, the, the first time you make contact, it's like the first day of, you know, first day you get to play, like, you just want to fly around and absolutely, like, blow someone's head off defensively, or you want to score your goal offensively. And I don't, I don't think we really stuck to our script very well, but um, – and that was kind of what his whole message was. It was like, guys, you know, we are incredibly talented. We saw what happened last year when we don't play our system. You know, we went 0-4 in the bubble. So he's like, if that's how we're going to do it, that's how we're going to start. We're going to lose a lot of games. So I think, I think having that happen to us last year, guys kind of have the mentality and the idea of, like, okay, we listen to the coaches. They know what's going on. Like, we will get put in a good position, and we will have individual success because the team's doing well. So he was kind of reiterating that. He said it in a very uh, AT type of way. A lot of uh, a lot of metaphors in there. I'm sure you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, uh, the 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 social team has to be pretty quick with the uh, bleep button with with AT. Um, but so you mentioned, uh, you know, a lot of the the you know the personalities that are on this chaos roster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably one one of the more fun rosters to watch. Like not only on the lacrosse field, but just like also, you know, like listening in on like mic'd up moments and everything like that. Um, you know, how, how's this week been kind of, you, you got most of the same guys still around. Um, but you also bring in, a, you know, a, a few new guys like, uh, you know, Mac O'Keefe, uh, Cluche makes his way on over to the, uh, to the chaos this year. Um, you know, so, so bringing in some new guys who kind of fit that same, you know, you're, you're either, you're either Canadian or you're like Canadian adjacent. Um, yes. So, you know, how, how's this week been kind of getting back with the guys who you've played with before, um, but also bringing in some of those new guys and, and not only like just on the field, but you know, off the field as well. No, yeah, it, it's been great. And it actually helps us defensively. Cause like we see looks and we see them make feeds and they catch the ball inside that we know other teams like aren't going to do. I mean, Cloutier, the first day, he probably shot the ball behind his back or between his legs five times in the first script practice that we had. He's just so talented. All those guys also, they also play the Buffalo Bandits, like, you know, Josh Byrne, Kluge, uh, Dane Smith, Ian McKay, and then we got Chase Frazier coming down. He's having some visa problems right now. But um, when he gets down there, that's five guys. They all live in the same house in Buffalo, and they all play on the Bandits together. So, like, we kind of already got a group of, like, boys and, like, 
everyone kind of just joins in. Like you said, like Mac hops right in. He's Canadian adjacent. I totally agree. I mean, and I, what I've been telling him, I'm like, dude, sling the ball. Don't be afraid. You shoot as well as everybody here, if not better. So he's, I think the more he kind of just loosens up, he's going to be a absolute force this year. You guys are going to see some highlight plays out of Mac. I promise you. We, we, but we knew that we knew that about Mac, right? He's a, he's a special type of player. Um, I, I think that what a lot of people don't, I think that a lot of people, they don't either understand or they don't appreciate is these guys who traditionally come from like a box background, you know, they play box growing up, you know, junior A's, what have you, they drink bag milk all the time, what have you. And then they come and they play field and it's a complete, you know, it's, it's for lack of, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's a different game, right? And their, their ability to take what they do in the box, you know, arena and put it, you know, put it to play on field, I think is very underappreciated. Um, maybe you can speak to, you know, how, how that kind of appears when you play. Yeah, no, it's, again, it's kind of like what I said a minute ago, like we're seeing some looks and like they're making plays that we don't, we're not, really not expecting other teams to make. I mean, they're, they're dodging up the, up the hash, throwing behind the backs. Guys are catching inside, twisting the ball to another pass on the pipe, catch, finish on the backside. We're all looking at each other like, holy shit, what just happened there? But just, you know, it, it helps us out a ton when we get put in situations in games, you know, every team has a, some sort of wing pick set, you know, every team has some sort of invert or some sort of, you know, nation's look where they're passing, picking away, cutting to the back pipe. So just being able to see all of those, I would say actually more, there was a more like complex looks in my opinion, like everyone's seen a two, three, one alley dodge clear through. Like that's like kind of little league lacrosse in my opinion, but like being able to have these guys and be able to see those looks in training camp, really just gives you, in my opinion, a step up because anytime another team goes to that, first of all, they're not going to run it as efficiently. And second of all, we've been seeing that in practice, you know, every day for this whole training camp. And then, you know, we'll practice for weeks and weeks and weeks and we'll see a team down the road that they'll do it. We've been prepping that for a month or two, but um, yeah, it, it's been, it's, it's, it, there is some give and pull to it. Cause then at the same time, we don't see some of the, you know, more traditional, like heavy downhill. I think that's kind of happened just in the Chrome game yesterday. Like, against the box guys we're used to packing in like basically we all sit inside the two-point line and say okay shoot outside of us we're going to protect the middle you got to shoot around us and then you know we play the chrome yesterday they got guys like ranning and sprinting down the alley at you six foot four absolutely hammering the ball and uh, after the first quarter we we're like all right we got to play a little higher we got to play a little bit different and, and that just that comes with time and adjusting and again we we purposely like we didn't scout them we didn't scout the cannons when we scrimmaged them like we just wanted to go out there blank play and the other thing is, like, there's no numbers on these jerseys. And there's, like, like I don't want to be rude. There's a lot of guys from MLL. I just don't know them by, like, their body or by their face. So, I'm seeing guys run down the alley. I'm like, I have no idea who you are. Is that your weekend? Maybe. Strong hand? Could be. <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's been – it's definitely been actually, I think, fun, like, just going on, just play. Like, don't even think. Just go play. And uh, it's definitely – this training camp has been good for that in a sense. You know, like with the like what you were saying about the MLL players, how you like didn't know their faces and their numbers. Was there anyone after scrimmage or after practice where you're like, all right, yeah, like I'm gonna remember that guy's name, that guy's number because he really impressed me. So, not technically necessarily after practice. Dan Bacaro, you know, he's a Georgetown alum, so he actually came down. I ran a bunch of one-on-ones with him prior to training camp, and I guarded him in high school, but I hadn't obviously hadn't played in five years. He balled out in the MLL last year immediately I texted guys on our team. I was like, he has to get a pull. I was like, when we play the Atlas, Dan needs to get a pull out of the midfield. 100%. First thing I said to him, like, that's a guy who 
I think like coming in is going to be an absolute presence. And then, you know, we played real, real quick. I, I just want to mention right before you came on the <laughs> podcast, we were, so before you got on here, like we were just kind of shooting the shit and, uh, and Dukes had just mentioned that he thinks that Bacaro is going to be a top 10 player in, in the league. We, we might've been fighting him back a little bit, but I, I think I'll, I'll take your word for it now. So top, Duke, top, top 10 <clears throat> It was hot. Okay, see, it, it, see, it, that it, was it, that. Yeah, see, that's hot. what I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you said top ten. So we agreed that he's a great player. Top ten might have been a little much, but the fact that that was the first guy that you just mentioned, um, I, I saw Duke smile immediately. <laughs> oh, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah that, was, that, that was a lot of confirmation for him. Yes, I mean, I'm trying to think about other guys. I mean, we've only really had two scrimmages, but like. Definitely, definitely Bacaro. I think he's going to be an absolute load. He just – he actually kind of plays like Jordan Wolf. I know there are different body types, but, like, just – they're surprisingly strong when they hit you with GLE. Like, you know, he, he kind of looks like a tall, kind of lanky kid, but then he absolutely will put his shoulder into your chest and just knock all the wind out of you. So, he, I think he'll ball out. I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit of uh, – I had a little bit of, like, a holy shit moment when I had to go guard Lyle in the first, like, you know, like mock scrimmage. I mean, I've been watching this dude. Like, I'm, I'm not – I'm self-aware enough to know, like, this is cool. Like, I can, like, have a moment of, like, it's cool that I'm guarding Lyle right now. Like, you know, I watched him. This is fucking sick. So, you know, I went, I went and dapped him up right away. He wasn't even looking at me. I went over. I was like, what's up, Lyle? Give him some knuckles. Probably annoyed him. Whatever. But, uh, like, being able to guard him and, like, you know, just getting that out of the way. Being, okay, I know I can guard him now. I know what he does. I have an idea how I want to play him. Like, you feel more comfortable about that type of thing. But, but uh, no, I'm looking forward to just kind of seeing what other guys in the MLL. Because obviously, like, you know, they talk shit about us, I'm sure. We, the PLL probably, you know, we're the best. The MLL thinks they're the best. So it'll be exciting this year to kind of see just one league base, you know, who is, who is the man here. Yeah, um, real quick. So, so we talked a lot already about the uh, the offense that you guys have. You know, because obviously, like as fans, like it's it's so much fun to watch this chaos offense play. Um, but you know, about this this D that you have, and then obviously we can also talk about Blazer in the cage. Um, you know, so like a lot of you, you guys have been together for, you know, you, you and Jared Newman have been there this whole time. Um, and then, you know, Johnny Serdick coming in and, and Kyle Thornton, like being able to add Kyle Thornton, like you look at the guys who you have on defense and the sticks that you guys have, some of the checks that you guys throw, like, I mean, you're, we're, we're talking to a guy who's been top 10 in CTOs in the PLL the past two seasons, not a big deal. Um, but you guys throw some, some nasty checks, have some crazy sticks, and then you also have the best goalie in the world that you get to play in front of with Blaze. Um, so kind of like, you know, like how do you feel about your unit like going into this season? Um, and and I, like the, the offense, it's so much fun to watch, but I feel like, especially with kind of AT being almost like that, that heartbeat of the team, like where do you, do you feel like the defense is more the identity of the team? Um, just kind of going off of with, with meathead AT. I, I think right now, like, I mean, we're having some problems like with Canadian visa issues. So we, when we scrimmaged the Canada's, we only had six offensive players. Like that were there, six O guys, one right-handed player. So Right now, like, that's kind of what we're talking about. Like, the defense, even though, like, the offense is, like, you know, that has all the glamour, they have a lot of hype, like, we're going to have to kind of hold it down if we're going to win games. Like, you know, we might not get, like, PLL might not post Instagram photos of us doing something really cool, but, like, if order to win, like, our defense is going to have to play well 100%. 
I think bringing Johnny Sturdick back is absolutely huge. Just like he's the type of player that doesn't need he doesn't need to be on the primary Dodger to get a lot of cost turnovers. You know, he picks up ground balls. He you know picks off passes. He does that type of thing, which is really big for us. And then again, I think kind of the main thing that we've been preaching is you know just trying to play a scheme. We got a lot of really good one-on-one, like shut down your guy type of defensemen. I think against like against Chrome yesterday, they kind of beat us up a little bit because they caught us in situations where we weren't all connected. You know, they were running things inside that we were getting confused on that we didn't have a slide guy easy goal for them. So that was kind of like what our message today at practice was, was really like, okay, we're really good one-on-one. Let's rein it in a little bit and really, you know, make sure we have each other's back. So, cause look, everyone wants to have that individual success, but that comes from, you know, giving up the fewest amount of goals. And that comes from, you know, the team defense playing as well as they can together. And it's tough. You know, we, we are also shooting the shit before you got on it. And I was making a point that, you know, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that, 40 to 50% of these goals in the PLL games probably are a result of transition, right? In unsettled situations. So it's actually even more on the defense to, you know, be aware and focused and mentally checked in the entire time, right? To prevent, you know, as best as you can, right? You know, somebody, because you know, it's just going to happen, right? You pull up in transition from the two point line, you know, four on three when you're playing the cannons, like that. I mean, Drenner and Lyle and, and Wasserman are going to be, you know, putting the ball in the net. So like, you know, it's, it's a lot, it's focused literally from, you know, the time you step on the field, the time you, um, you, you get off. Is there anybody like, I mean, yeah, you said you guarded Lyle, you know, and you're, you're very pleased about that. Is there any, any other offense out there that you're like, you know, looking forward to, you know, playing with, or there's some guys out there that you haven't, you know, played with and you're like, Hey, I, I want to, you know, tee that guy up like I want to I want to see what he's got I'm looking forward to get back in Zed and not because of anything (laughs) personal but just I mean like look like I had to watch 10 months of PLL highlights of him running through my chest and scoring goals right like not to say but like that's a kick in the dick that's a kick it is like I'm the type of dude like I'm the type of person where I, I internalize I personalize a lot of that shit and then when I have my opportunity I will absolutely explode so I'm again He's an awesome dude, so I don't want to like say that you know he's a dick, and I want to crush him for that reason. He's a great guy, <laughs> but one hundred percent, that's a matchup I'm looking forward to getting back to, just because I didn't like how I played the last time. And you know, like you're up six to three going into the fourth quarter, and you have that result. It's like that's really hard to sit with for you know ten months until you get to come back and play again. So this first week, I mean, our game on Saturday at five, I think it is. That's a matchup I've been thinking about for a long, long, long time. I was I was, I was a little on the fence on whether or not I wanted to bring up Zed in this interview. Um, <laughs> no, nah, you're like, good. But but like looking back at that fourth quarter in the championship game, like I, I don't really know. I, I, like I'm I'm not a defensive guy, but like I just like looking at it, like I don't know how much you could have done different. Like I think it like it was just like Zed like locked into a into a mode where like very few players are able to get to, and he was just. Like, like you, you could have done everything possible and he was still going to go to the cage. Um, I am curious. It, like, so when you, when you get to this level of lacrosse and, and you're playing with, against, playing with and against all the best players in the world and, like, you go up against a guy who gets just extremely hot like that where there's, you know, just at the point where it, like, it doesn't matter what you throw his way. Like, he's kind of just do what he wants to do. Like, is, is there ever any, like, conversations, like, at this level of, like, hey, like, maybe we should think about, like, shutting this guy off? Or is that just something that, like, 
you kind of get away from like once you get out of high school shutting off completely I don't know about but like definitely not making it hard for him to get the ball like you know if he catches a ball one yard below GLE and and I I have to like approach him he's gonna run through me I totally get that so like making him catching the ball way deep at the back of the goal line or like you know making him catching it running away from the goal having him reset those type of things I totally think are fair game just because again that takes him out of what he wants to do you know what does that one do he wants to be physical on the right pipe and try to swing top side and you know shoot over the top that's his game pretty much so any way you can kind of get him out of that in a sense, whether it's making him start farther or making him run more, kind of getting in his hands early. And again, and sometimes he's just going to get a shot off and he's just going to score. I mean, I think you hear like you hear NBA guys talk about it all the time. They're like, yeah, I, I guarded the first three moves and he still hits the shot. Like, I, I don't know what to do. It's like, he just made a good play. Like that shit happens. And uh, that was hard for me last year. Cause like, you know, in college you have, it's way, you know, the talent is obviously not at this type of level. So, you can kind of defensively, like I could dictate my matchup a little bit more. Like even if someone having a good game, I could have a good game, kind of match that out and like even that out almost. But at a, at a level like this, I mean, like when guys, like you said, are in that zone, it's, you just, you got to kind of just hold on. You got to try to throw a bunch of junk at them and just see kind of what's going to, what's going to stick and what's going to hold. But now, nah, yeah, definitely. There's definitely conversations that go on in terms of just how do we get him out of this right now? And, and then just a little follow-up on that one. Like, so, you know, you just spent this past year coaching with Georgetown. Um, and, you know, you, you kind of mentioned how you spent the past 10 months kind of internalizing everything that went down in that final game of the season last year. Now, it, do you think that, you know, going back and now coaching the game has kind right. of given you a different, like, look on the field? So, like, as you're, like, running back some things, like, you know, maybe just seeing the game a little differently than you saw as a player as opposed to – you know, now as a coach and just thinking of, of different schemes. 100%. Like I can't give a big enough shout out to the head coach, coach Kevin Warren at Georgetown. He is an absolute defensive mastermind. I mean, he, when he speaks, he's very funny and loud and he's like a good time to be around. But when he sits down at a computer and wants to cut film and wants to break down game plans, Holy cow is his, his IQ is at a level that I didn't even know really existed. Like I was very cocky in my own mind of being like, you know, I know the defense, I know what to do. I know how this works, but um, being able to sit there with him and have him go, okay, well, that, that's not why we do this. We do it because of this reason. And then even in my own game, like at Georgetown, we had a couple of poles like randomly get hurt. I had to play scout team for like the last three months of the season and like cover Caraway and shit like that. Cause we just, we needed guys, we needed bodies. So being able to kind of get in there, first of all, it helped me I didn't get in shape. Definitely. I didn't have to work out nearly as much because I was playing every day. Um, and then, yeah, just being able to like, you know, Georgetown ran a 100% different scheme than I did at UNC and that I do in, at the chaos. So being able to just learn new ideas and again, having that kind of self-realization that I don't know everything, like that's kind of a cocky idea that I would have every answer at 24. So it definitely was a learning experience and it definitely, I think is helping me moving forward. Just having, like knowing there's more than one answer to how to guard an offense or how to guard a player. All right. So you coached against the national champions, Virginia. What, what did you see? What did you think like made them so dangerous and what like, really impressed you about their team? All right. Obviously, you know, the offense is fantastic. I personally think starting right now, Connor Schellenberger is the best player in the country by a decent little margin. And I, it's not taken, you know, Chris Gray is obviously my dude. That's a Carolina guy. Like the Georgetown boys are obviously love them. Connor Schellenberger, now that Jared's gone, is the best player in the country and probably should be for the next three years. That's, I, I don't think that's like outrageous to say. Um, I was really surprised with how good their defense was. I mean, like you watch 
I think the Syracuse thing was kind of an aberration, like the way they lost to them. Like that was just something didn't click right or they, you know, they didn't do something right that day, but just like, you know, the kid 39, Cole Cast, Kastner, Caster, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of that kid's game. I told him that after we played them, I'm like, dude, you're fantastic. I love the way you play. And really like, they're just, you know, they don't miss ground balls and it's just, they're tough as shit. What, what really surprised us, I think, was just, first of all, like, you know, there is a di- little bit of a, there was a difference in their athleticism versus ours. And we knew that going in, like, you know, ACC teams typically have, you know, the biggest, strongest, fastest guys. We were, our game plan was, you know, win face-offs, slow it down, play a real slow six-on-six game, try to just ease, squeak one out. So that was, you know, kind of the general idea. Face-off, our face-off guy had a kind of a game-ending injury on the first face-off of the game, like five, literally seven seconds in. Um, that kind of makes things tough kind of moving forward in terms of game plan-wise. But I – obviously, their offense gets a lot of praise. I want to make sure Shell, Connor Schellenberger gets all the love and respect that he deserves because he does deserve it. But I was really, really, really surprised with how good their polls were from a one-on-one perspective. because so you, you watch film, like, they get beat, but then it's also like they're getting beat by ACC guys. You don't really know how it compares. But um, I was – yeah. I think that was kind of the biggest jump for me was how just how athletic they were and how much space they covered. 20, 2016 UNC Tar Heels versus the 2021 Virginia Cavs. A fight Ooh. to the death. 2016 Tar Heels, when we were hot in the playoffs, I don't know, that team, that team thought they could beat anybody. Whether that was true or not, I don't know. But that <laughs> team had so much unwarranted swagger and cockiness. It was unbelievable. And it was just like, it was one of those like, that was also a lucky run, like not lucky, but it stars aligned a little bit for us that year, just in terms of who we got to play. But um, I'm always going to take myself. If you're asking me if I'm winning or losing, I'm thinking I'm winning every time. If I say I'm losing, I stink in life. I mean, that's a that's a fair take, though. You know, you you make a point about the uh, the the Virginia's defense. There's just there's something to be said about guys who are that big, you know, six, four, six, five. I mean, you're a pretty large guy yourself, but I mean, you're six, four, six, five, and they can cover so much ground, but they're also so quick with their feet. That is the, that's that's, that's the terrifying part, right? You know, they, they, they make an approach and they can close the gap and you know, half the time that you, that you have, um, is that, you know, what's, it like playing you know jared newman's that type of guy right you know what's it like kind of playing with your chaos defense you guys at you know uh you know how's it been you know adding a few more guys on the team you know do you you, is there like a learning curve that you guys have had to you know work with or you know because everybody separates and then they come back right you know i think definitely for our team there i think defensively we have more of a learning curve than most teams not most teams but definitely like some of the topper defensive teams you know Redwoods, Whipsnakes, teams that have been playing the same schematic defense for a couple of years, whether it's the Notre Dame guys, the Maryland guys, like they have a scheme that they like and that they all, even if they forget bits and pieces of it over like, you know, the six, seven, eight months that you're not with your guys, it comes back pretty quickly. And for us, it's like, you know, we come every year and we almost have to kind of learn a new defense based off of the personnel we have. Like when Johnny Surtick couldn't come last year, like Dan Coates literally got one day notice. They called him 24 hours before his flight and said, Hey, you're on the roster. You have a flight at 9am tomorrow. Like you need to pack and get ready to go. And he was Hell like, yeah. holy, holy shit. He literally called me. He was like, he was like, what do we do on defense? He's like, what, what are the terms? I was like, take it easy. We'll walk you through it. But, um, but I, and he's, he's a great dude. And he's like, he's a veteran kind of, he kind of helps 
get us all together. I know he doesn't get much like media attention, but that's a dude that really pulls the D together. But I would say kind of long-winded way to answer your question. We do, I think, have a little bit more of a learning curve, and that's kind of one of the challenges that comes with the way this league works in terms of just a long offseason is, you know, coming back and making sure our schemes are as smooth as possible, our communication is as smooth as possible. And you can see it, you know, from year one to now this is year three, the, the jump and the time it takes us to learn that has been much faster this year. Um, I got a question that doesn't really fit the, uh, doesn't fit the flow of the conversation, but I want to ask it before I forget. Uh, so you wear the number 99. Yes. Now there's, a, there's another guy in this league who, who also is, is, a, is a fan of that number typically wears it on the back of his jersey. Um, so it, it kind of goes off of kind of what I was asking, 2016 Terps versus 2021 Virginia. Um, but what, are you the best 99 in the league? Absolutely. Not a question in the world. Love that's that. like that. That's an easy answer. And um, what, what, was the, what was the reasoning behind 99? I was high school numbers 22. I wore 33 and then 22 in college. I just kind of got into this like double number thing. Josh. Josh Burnrock's 22. We had, there's already a 44. There's already like the doubles were basically taken like Jared's 88, Troy 77. Um, the doubles. And then too, too, my too many Canadians, years, too many Canadians. Yeah, my rookie year and, and you know that, and you know that the Canadians wouldn't take 99 because they have too much respect for Gretzky. Exactly. So I came in, I was looking around like, I literally texted my friends. I'm like, guys, what number should I pick? My friends are like, you take number one. I'm like, well, that's a worse answer than 99. I'm not taking number one. <laughs> so it was just like, all right, I want to stay doubles. Like, let's do it. And we had a Evan Connell who plays on the Archers. He was 99 when I was at UNC. I just like, he played hard. Like, that was kind of like the number 99. It's not like a special number, but it's kind of like a defenseman always wears 99 out of Carolina. It could be like a scout team guy, but it's just like an energy dude at UNC kind of typically wears that. So. That's just what kind of my thought process was, was, you know, screw it. I've never won it before. It, it might be cool. If I hate it, I'll switch. But after wearing it for two years, I do like wearing 99. Yeah. Shout out to Evan Connell, a uh, Lake Placid lacrosse champion. You know, also, you were the first rookie class of the PLL. I think you also, your senior year must have been the first year of NCAA with the shot clock. Um, so, so yeah. what would you what would you tell, like, a rookie? Like, what, what are you saying to Kyle Thornton, like, how different is the college game with the shot clock to now in the PLL, shorter shot clock? Like any advice you'd give someone? Yeah, I think it's shot clock's really important. I think the, the fact that the 10 yards in the middle of the field is cut is really slept on, I think. Because like, like I was saying, like I'm running scout team, and like I'm playing like full field with these guys at Georgetown. And like transition's really slow because it's like they just have more space to run and like you can get guys back in the hole. The way people get on you in PLL, I mean, they are literally – transition happens every two seconds. So – it's kind of my message to Thornton's been it's like play as hard as you can for the first 10 seconds, then things will calm down. They'll get their offense on. You'll get almost like a breather. And then it's like, you just kind of got to, it's like basically 25 seconds of defense. You got to just fly as fast as you can. And even if that's making the wrong decision, it's just doing it very fast. And Kyle's fucking smart, really, really <laughs> smart lacrosse wise. Um, so he picks that stuff up super, super well. He hasn't really had too much of a problem with that. And he, he's been a very nice addition as well, just as, like, a guy that comes in and you almost just don't notice he's in there as a positive because he doesn't make any mistakes. He just is in. He's smooth. He gets out. He does his role. Yeah, shout out and Kyle then, Thornton. He's my first friend. Yeah. First friend. Out of yeah. yeah. First friend. Uh, I have a long list of friends I'm sure you have, too. Right? <laughs> yeah, all five of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, Jack, to, to change gears completely, what kind of kicks did we bring to camp? So – 
have a, I have a little bit of anxiety in terms of flying my sneaker boxes. Right. Like you just, you don't know what's going to happen. Correct. So I got some, I, I brought some dunks that are a little older that I haven't worn before. I brought some dunks out that I think that's, what's going to get broken up for the first PL game day. I do have some, uh, not to like, you know, share my wardrobe, but I got some, the UNC fours and the Georgetown threes. I think those are going to be probably my next two just cause newer to the market haven't worn them yet look good i mean that's those are those are going to be i think they'll turn those colorways are going to turn out to be classics you know like i think they are i'm also like i'm not i like shoes i really like shoes i'm not like a hype beast guy like i don't rock like supreme and like kiff like that's (laughs) like like, i I really don't like i wear carhartt like i wear like you do like i I exactly nike like i wear jeans like that's who i am as a human being so like where i get creative is in my shoes that's literally all I, that's all I have. And there are some guys in this league that's like, you know, they got head to toe is just like very thought out. I just like, I like that pair of shoes. I want that pair of shoes. You, you and I are the same person and we know you're thinking of Sergio Perkovic. So don't, don't. Even. I was actually going with Miles Jones just because he's a friend <laughs> and he won't be mad if I call him out on that. Okay. And same with Josh Byrne. Josh Byrne cares a lot about how he looks, but I love Josh. So he knows that. Josh Byrne, I thought for the longest time that Josh Byrne was a, a Long Island guy. He will actually sometimes tell you he is, even though he's not. He's oh. like, yeah. I've, I've never seen anyone want to be from Long Island like Josh <laughs> I, I See, see like when, when Stolen I like, Valor. Like, like when he started like at Hofstra, I was like, okay, like, you know, is, is he like East Shore? Like where, where's this kid from? And then look at his player profile in Canada. And I was like, that's a fucking mistake. And he's from West Coast Canada. He's like, it's not like he's like Toronto or like that. Like he's from a million miles away, and he one hundred percent adopted like the Tims and jeans and wife beater look. I'm sure when he was in college, but yeah, he he like he one hundred percent embodies just what Long Island is about, and he's so thrilled to do that. It's not even like he does it and people make fun of him. He's like, no, that's not me. He's one hundred percent buys into it. Is, well, is it's there, amazing. Is there anyone on the team who's just like a total slob? Like, like just, just rolls out of bed and you're just like, come on, man. Like, pull yourself together. I try to think. Honestly, almost – we got a lot of pretty boys, to be honest. We got a lot of guys that are like, let me put cologne on before I go play practice. Stop. I, no, yeah, that's, we, we, that's we, crossing we, the line we, here. We know, we know Ian McKay is really taking care of himself. <laughs> I wouldn't – I don't actually think we have too many guys that are like Austin Stotts occasionally can wear the same practice clothes for like six hours after practice and just not shower. That kind of freaks me out sometimes, but it's just like, that's who he is. It's like, it's Audi. It's just, you have to, he's hilarious for that reason. I, I wouldn't even call him a slob though. He just is like, he doesn't think that that's what he should do. It's like not an intentional effort. That makes sense. Fair, I, yeah. I, I get along with that. <laughs> Love just that. going um, back to that Josh Byrne, the Josh Byrne Long Island thing, I just want to throw in, as a Long Islander, we accept him 1,000%. I'm also pretty sure he went to, like, Nassau Community College before Hofstra. So he's a, a bigger Long Island guy than Long Island guys. I have a good, actually, Josh Byrne. So Josh Byrne's first Division One game ever when he was at Hofstra, he played at UNC. It was my freshman year. This, listen to the scouting report for Josh Byrne. Big Juco lefty. That's it. Just big Juco lefty. And coach is like, hey, Jack, you, you're going to go guard him. You're, you know, it's your second. We had already played one game. So he's like, it's your second game. 
you know, this is like their second or third attackman. It'll be a nice little kind of thing for you. This kid's taking me from the freaking wing, putting his shoulder into me, stepping back low to high. I'm looking over the side. I'm like, Juco lefty? I was like, <laughs> do you want to came to guard the Juco kid? Thankfully, he, uh, he beat more than just me that year and uh, had himself a successful career. And now he's obviously crushing it. So feel a little bit better about myself. Yeah, firm, firm believer that that uh, between the leg shot from last season should be the new PLL logo. Ooh, yeah. Is there even a PLL logo? They need to get like an NBA type of like player like in white in front of like the crest or whatever. I, I agree. It's, it's, it's the shield right now that's, that's on Dukes' hat. But yeah, you give me that, that Josh Byrne, that jump man look, silhouette of that. That's nice. Um, all right. I, I only got one more question for you here. Um, I, don't, I don't know if the other guys have anything left in the, uh, in the tank. But so you mentioned, you know, you have some of these Canadians who are still having uh, a, a little bit of an issue getting over the border to get down here for training camp and the start of the season. Um, I just want to know, has there been an, any effort made uh, on AT's behalf of just kind of marching up to Canada and just screaming at Justin Trudeau or whoever is in charge of the Canadian government up there and just kind of scare them into letting these guys come down? I'll tell you what, Justin Trudeau would have nightmares about Andy Towers if he knew who that man was. I mean, I think, I think we're getting two of them. Like, we're getting the kid Chase Frazier because he's like, he lives in the States. But I guess the way Canada works is like, if you come in the States and then go back, you have to quarantine for two weeks in a hotel that you pay for yourself. It's like th- about 3000 bucks. So, like, Curtis Dixon texted our group. He's like, guys, like, you know, I got a full time job up here. I obviously would love to come play on the weekends, but, you know, 3,000 bucks is more than a game check. So I, I can't afford to do that and then miss work and all that shit. And we totally get it. Like, we're not giving him a hard time, but it, it is really unfortunate. I'm, and I know Towers is, he's very much on the PLL in terms of like getting these guys' visas taken care of as fast as possible. Cause I mean, realistically, like, we're gonna, we're gonna roll out a team on Saturday that has like maybe eight offensive players. Maybe. We've been practicing with like six. So we'll see. Yeah, I remember tweeting out like the day that the whole visa thing happened. I was like, the chaos, the chaos will be the most hurt team from this because like going into it, like I mean, how many Canadians do you guys have? Like it's got to be like seventy percent. It almost seems like I, I know the ones that are missing right now are Challen Rogers, Curtis Dixon, Tanner Cook, Ryan Smith, Chase Frazier, um, and that's just off the top of my head. We there could uh, no, be at least another. Listen, yeah. just tell At I'm, I'll do anything for him to get those guys over here. I will pass that message along. I have a minivan. <laughs> uh, it's a Long Island minivan. It just smells like Paul yeah. Malls. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. yeah above so, ground pools. I, <laughs> I, I think a, a mention of Dukes' mom's minivan for the second week in a row is, is a good spot to end this. So we don't want to take up any more of your time than we already have. I think once uh, the conversation devolves into that, I think you might have some better things to do to get ready for the season. Uh, but Jack, thanks for hopping on with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, just so everyone knows, you can catch Jack Rowlett and the Chouse LC taking on the Whip Snakes in the championship rematch from last season. That is going to be Saturday, June 5th, 5 p.m. It'll be on NBCSN. So, Get yourself dialed in on the couch to watch 99 be a CTO machine. And, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for coming on, and uh, best of luck this season. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It was great. 
All right. Thanks again to Jack for hopping on with us. Uh, again, you guys can watch Rowlett and the Chaos take on the Whip Snakes Saturday, 5 p.m. on NBC Sports Network. Uh, now, you know, unfortunately, uh, Jake had to leave us. He is, uh, he's, I think he's actually on a plane right now to Bermuda. So pretty sweet life for Jake. Um, but so right now you've got Dukes and myself and, uh, you know, we're going to go into this upcoming PLL season and, uh, you know, the, the 25 man rosters were just released earlier this week, obviously, you know, would need to get those rosters finalized for a game week that starts off later tonight, 7 p.m. on Peacock with the Redwoods taking on the Cannons. Uh, Dukes, so, you know, the, these rosters, they come out, I, I think it was must have been Wednesday that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the 25-man the list all got uh, put out there. And, you know, looking at these rosters, obviously all of these teams are going to be absolutely loaded but when you look at the guys who, who got left off of the list, like you could also make a very solid lacrosse team out of all those guys. Um, yeah. You know, is, is, is there anyone right now who like you're looking at and you're like, I can't believe that that guy isn't on a roster for, for week one. The one there's a couple for sure. But the one that really stood out to me was Kyle McClancy. Cause I feel like his first year with the chaos, him and blaze Reardon on the clears, you know, blaze is really good at making that clean save getting the outlet out quick, and he would always hit consistently McClancy. So just, like, seeing him get dropped, I almost question, like, if you're the chaos and you're down middies right now because of the whole, like, visa thing, do you think about picking him up? I'm not sure if, like, they even can, but, I mean, that one really surprised me because I thought that he was really good in transition. Yeah, that's the one I'm still, like, a little – I don't know if anyone, I, I'm sure that Dan Orestia is, is out there asking the, the league office about all these things, but I, <laughs> I still don't know like the actual protocol in terms of like how and when teams are allowed to pick up players like out of the player pool. Um, so I don't know if it's like waiver wires or what. Um, yeah. I mean, like I, I'm looking like, like the fact that like Clark Peterson and, yep. and now, you know, like don't, don't get me wrong. Like this, like the there are eight teams in this league, right? And and it's going to be so hard to find yourself a spot on on any of these rosters just because there are so many guys. So like I, I don't really know, you know, looking at this Cannons roster, I don't know who I would take off at the attack position for Clark Peterson. But like that's just it's like one of those ones where like you you see his name in there and you're like just one of those moments like where you realize like, holy shit, like there's so much talent in the league and so few roster spots where a guy like Clark Peterson, um, you know, is, isn't on there. Like the same for like, you know, like Larkin Kemp too, like Larkin Kemp getting dropped by the Redwoods. And, and like, he, he's not really like a, um, you know, a guy who like you, you look at on a roster and you're like, that's going to be the difference maker for the Redwoods being a, uh, you know, championship caliber team. But also you look at him and you're like, there's, there's no way that he's not going to at least like help out a squad. Um, so, I mean, well, you look at, you look at the LSM position that they have though, when you got John Sexton, you don't really need. Oh yeah. No, but uh, did you see the, the thing that like, when you're talking about that and you're like, what, where's the, where's the room to like put Larkin Kemp on? Why wouldn't you take three LSMs? Why do you keep three goalies? Like, unless they just don't know who's going to start yet. But I can't imagine that, like, they don't have a good idea if it's down to two people right now. Yeah. 
right? Yeah, the the the, the three goalies is a little. T- I mean, maybe it's just like, yeah, I guess I you're mean, right. I mean, I mean, look looking around the league. So I mean, the, the I'm just looking at some rosters right now. Yeah, I, I've got water dogs with three goalies. Uh, Chaos just taken two. Archers about that. Archers with two. Um, uh, around about about whom? Okay, here we go. I've been thinking about this for two days now, Jordy. Why in the world, if you're the water dogs, you make the trade for Dylan Ward and then you keep Charlie Cipriano? This is full blown like investigation that. Andy Copeland is only keeping Charlie Cipriano on the roster because he was his man at Fairfield. Why would you cut another player just to keep your man at Fairfield? We saw him start last year and he lost the water dogs like two or two games. Like it became clear that DeLuca was the guy for the water dogs. So I don't know why they're just like trying to like keep the Charlie Cipriano like experiment going. It is so it's, it's annoying, and I think that like people that get pissed off about like Chris Hogan wasting a roster spot should be just as pissed off at Charlie Cipriano wasting a roster spot. It makes no sense to me. I get he's like a good goalie, whatever, but like you don't need three goalies unless like someone has a wedding this summer. Yeah, I <laughs> I agree with that. I, I wonder. I mean, I I haven't heard anything about Dylan Moore. Like I, I guess he he's been around, right? I, I'm trying to look at some of the um I mean he's been at training camp the whole time, right? He's not one of the Canadians who's yeah been been I mean, having any issues. So like exactly. Um yeah. I guess like you're just they could be I, nervous about like someone going home to Canada. You know what I'm saying? Like say Dylan Ward has something to do in the middle of the summer and he has to miss a couple of games. I guess that could make sense, but it's just I feel like it's such a waste of a roster spot. And again, this isn't the 19 man final game what roster. But it is a bit frustrating. Yeah, and like you, I mean, you look at the the Redwoods with their three goalies. I mean, none of them are Canadian, so like, I don't know. I I guess it's just like one of those things where you're like, well, I don't want to drop this guy to the player pool and then end up losing him to another team. But it's not like there are like many teams out there that are like looking to add mm-hmm. at at the goalie position. So like, I, I don't know if you if you drop Cipriano, like if if someone's like. Oh yeah, like we have to pick him up right now. Um, so, yeah, a, a, a little weird. I mean, another like, I, I think McClancy, he's a he's a good pick. Um, you know, I, I think that he'll he'll end up on a team. Uh, same with like Danny Ite. Like you, you just need yeah. those like those like speedy midfielders who can get up and down the field, help you in that transition game. Just because there's so much trans- transition in the PLL. Um, what did you think about Unterstein getting uh, dropped? I know he's old and whatnot, but I feel like he was uh, – I feel like he could have kept playing. I, yeah, but also, like, you look at the Atlas roster and, and the middies that they have, and, like, there's mm-hmm. – like, they're, they're like, they're, they're young. They're, you know, they're, they're able to get up and down. Um, you know, Docs is going to be a beast on both sides of the field. Um, Romar, a beast on both sides of the field. Same with Brent Adams. Um, you know, so, and, you know, Joel Tinney a little, a little bit too. So, like, I, I get why the Atlas wouldn't have a need for him. Um, you know, maybe, maybe there's another team out there as well. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I just, you know, maybe not undersigned, but, like, I, I look at the, um, like, I look at the Chrome roster, and I, I feel like they – they're they're very weak at the midfield position i think mm-hmm. like you know so um you know justin anderson 
he's he's going to be big for them coming in, especially with some some dad strength right off the hop. Um, Ned Crotty can still play, but like he's getting up there a little bit. Like let, let's sure. not let's not kid ourselves. Um, you know, and McIntosh and Rannigan, like they're they're both good, but like like they they've got four offensive middies on the roster right now. Um, Ryan Tarafanko can go both ways, so I, I won't count him as just an SSDM. Um, but they're they're a team, like that's that's their midfield unit though right now. So like, just like looking it, at it though, do, do you think? I, I mean, I'm just like looking at the attack. I do think that like some of those attack and like Kavanaugh, Heacock, maybe even Jackson Morrill coming out of the box. Don't you think? I, I think Morrill out of the box. I I I Heacock coming out of the box. Yeah, like th- those guys can play. Can, can yeah, I was following some of the tweets, but. I mean, yeah, like you have to have Gutty down at attack just because you need him on the field. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. I don't know if I'm running Gaudet out of the box. No, um, no. You know, I, was, I just saw Dan Arestia uh, tweeting about it, and he he was just saying like Gaudet was like had like eight goals in five games. Uh, that Kavanaugh looked like real, like because you know Kavanaugh he's got the bloodline. No, uh, you know how that goes. But I guess that he's really impressed so far with his shooting. And Stotts obviously got injured. I guess Stotts was going to be that third attackman. Yeah, but so I, I guess, I guess he's probably done for the. That's it's what it's Has sounding like that that he's done for the year. Um, you said that Gaudet had like eight goals. In, yeah, yeah. I guess that Gaudet just like brought it. Oh, dude, and and then and then you put Jackson Morrill out there with him too, and you just have that nice oh little gosh. Yale connection, and then they're just chirping everybody because the Yale boys get into it as far as the chirps go. Um, so maybe yeah, like, trade for Ben Reeves. Maybe he might, might, might have to <laughs> off um, season. If, I, I mean, he might have like he might have to like leave for like mid game surgery and just go <laughs> go perform a nice little open heart or whatever he does. But uh, yeah, just just get all the Yale boys over there. But I don't know. Just just looking at some of the guys who aren't on a team right now, I I think that there there are probably a couple middies out there right now who could end up on on that Chrome roster, like, like Jack Jasinski too. Like, yep. like, wa- like watching him at Ohio state, just like, like a speedy little quick. bastard who, yeah, quick can dodge can, you know, and you, if you turn the ball over, like he's getting to the box right away um, faster than anybody else. Like Frank Brown is another guy too, where, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I, I think, you know, being a, a wings fan, like I've, I've got to watch Frank Brown playing with the wings for a little bit. And, um, you know, so he, so he's a guy who you know might not be as uh, as big of a name, especially because he played in the MLL. But um, you know, he's a guy where if he gets a chance, so yeah, I think you know a, a lot of talent in the player pool that you know could definitely help out some of these teams. But some of these teams are fucking stacked. Some of these teams, as we know, are just an absolute wagoon so right now looking at the eight rosters that are out there heading into week one which roster do you think is just full-blown weapons galore how how do you not say the whip snakes right like i mean i hate to say it but like if they if they win it all again the PLL has to add two to three more teams just to break up the whip snakes because they, they will just be, they'll, they'll have to have the argument. Are they the best dynasty in all of pro sports? First three league, first three years in a league that just started and they win. And it's so funny how it's like, 
you know, when we talk about the NCAA and like John Tillman, how like he couldn't get it done at Maryland and you only one in six in the finals. And then they just leave for the pros and they're all winning championships together. Um, I, I think it's definitely the whip stakes. Do you agree with me? I, yeah, I, I think like a hundred years from now, there are going to be all these little shithead whip snakes fans running around talking about their, their 27 championships. And then people are going to be like, yeah, well you won like 20 of them when, you know, there were only <laughs> six or eight teams in the league, you know? And, and so, you know, the PLL will have like 30 teams and, you know, the whip snakes just racking up championships right now while there's, you know, only a few play, a uh, few other teams to play against, but like that, but that's what they are. Like they're, they're the early Yankees. They're the early Montreal Canadians. Like they're like, they're that team that is going to be a historically dominant team. And then so many other fan bases are going to be so pissed off at whip snakes fans in the future being like, stop talking about all your fucking rings that happened in the past. Um, I'll tell you what that like, so yeah, we just got done talking to Jack Rowlett. So like, obviously like I'm a little juiced up about the chaos right now. Like I think that they have a really strong team, especially when you have the best goalie in the world. And especially once they get all their players over the border. Um, but looking at the water, like I, I know that we just like, we're like, well, yeah, like Cipriano is like taking up a roster spot, but even with that being the case, like I think that the water dogs this year are going to be lethal. Um, like you look Same. at them, like obviously you you add sours to the mix, and it might take the water dogs a couple weeks for everyone to kind of really get a, a feel for um for how to play with um with sours, um, you know just his speed, the way that he dodges, the way that he that he's looking feet. So like you know it's it's gonna take some of those guys a little bit of time to get used to that speed, um. I mean, they're, they're professional lacrosse players. So like they're, they're used to the speed, but even still like Sowers is a freak, but that midfield that they're working with Ryan Conrad, an absolute workhorse, like Ryan Conrad at Virginia. Did you ever see him come off the field? He is one of my favorite players to ever watch. And he's the nicest guy. He was, he was my first interview ever in the PLL like two years ago. I will always root for Ryan Conrad. Uh, yeah, he can, he can, he's a motor horse. He's I, just an I, absolute I, I, I don't think that he comes off the field ever. Um, Zach Courier, unbelievable weapon. Um, Connor Kelly, Ben McIntosh, Mikey Slosser. Um, so like the midfield is great. The goalie now with Dylan Ward is great. The defense, um, the defense, great. Look at this: Ben Randall, Ohio State; Chris Sabia, Eli Gobrek. Uh, Grill, who I thought played really well last year. And then you had and, Liam Burns. And I, I think like the most dangerous guy out there running around with the six foot pole is going to be Ryland Reese, who, yep. who can go in transition, plays box, Canadian. So like he gets the ball in his stick, he's fucking going. Um, and, and he can transition right into offense. So I don't know, like that, like that's a team to me that I think um, they're, they're going to, and you know, just imagine once the attack gets clicking with Ryan Brown, Sowers, breakout year, and Kieran McCardle. I, I'd probably put McCardle out there as as the lefty. Yeah, Sowers at X and Ryan Brown, and then you can run, you know, Reeves out of the box. You can run Michael Krause out of the box. You can bring in Ethan Walker once he gets his visa figured mm-hmm. out. So like that's a team. Like just looking up and down that roster, like I don't see any part of their game where they're not like above average to elite like in this league 
Like yeah, you, you, can, you, you can look at any roster in this league and be like, yeah, like they've got like, like top of the line player, but like relative to the rest of the league, like they're still like the water dogs. I still think on paper are elite. I'm trying to look up the odds, but I know that they're like, I know they're, they're, they're like plus 900 off the top of my head or something, but I remember like being like, yeah, the whips, like uh, the water dogs have a lot of value this year to uh, win the championship. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like that's, I don't know. I, I, th- I think it's going to be a big summer for water dogs nation. Um, I'm excited for the, like, I don't know. I don't know how well, like, I think that, you know, I'm not saying like championship caliber or anything like crazy like that, but I, I do feel like the Atlas will surprise people this summer. You know, they're young. And I think that in a couple of years, they're going to dominate. Like they could be the whip snakes in a couple of years. If they can all stick together, obviously that's, the most important thing about these teams. Yeah. I mean, like we meant, like the, that midfield unit is very young. So if you can keep them together for a while, like that's like, those are guys who are going to be like so fucking good in this league. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, uh, so, you know, we, we heard uh, Jack Rollette talk about uh, Dan Baccaro a little bit in, in the interview that you guys just heard. And, and you heard, uh, you know, that, that Dukes had brought him up before that we started recording today. Um, you know, do I think that Bacaro and Caraway this year are mm-hmm. are going to be you know the the best dynamic in the you know in in the PLL? Maybe not this year, but like the fact that they have so much experience together from Georgetown, um, the fact that they're both still so young and that they can keep growing together in this league. Like if if, if you keep those two guys together, yeah, in in a few years, like that's going to be a lethal combo. Totally agree. Bukaro also MLL rookie of the year last year. Obviously it depends if you're an MLL or PLL guy. So how much that carries weight, but also like Craig chick at LSM. Um, I don't know. Weapon, and then you, weapon just throws heavy checks. You know, and, also we saw, you know, remember Trevor was kind of struggling last year at the face off X. So, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's, there's, there's not a lot. Like I keep looking back on last year and there's not a lot that I'm, I'm going to try my best to like not um, really take too much of what happened last summer into like my, my like prediction for this year. Cause like last year was just so weird. Like you barely got any sort of practice together. Yep. It was just like a sprint of a tournament for two weeks. Um, we just saw so, he was human. Yeah, exactly. So like um, just having Arceri back there, like he's, he's a great vote face off guy just to like give track ever a break which he's never had in like eight years of playing since we saw him dominate at denver yeah so um i don't know man just it's great like it's not this isn't like breaking news like this isn't like a um a, a very original thing to say but like you just look at these eight rosters and there are very few holes on on any of them and i mean even the cannons so new team coming in that that that's a pretty strong attack that they have. Like anytime you have an attack that has Lyle Thompson on it, yeah, you're you're not going to say that the attack is going to be a weak spot in in your roster. Um, you know the the midfield position, Busick goes. Um, I mean, Rabel's not there anymore, but if he has to, he can give you a good game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I mean midfield the wise scares me. The defense scares me. Um, you know midfield wise. Uh, like I guess you're running Bryce Wasserman out of the box probably. Um, same with uh, Rafus. So like 
you know, those guys will help you out offensively, but yeah, so de- defense a little bit. Um, I mean, poor, poor Brody Merrill, like this guy just keeps <laughs> it, So, so that like three new teams in three years and he has to, like, and, and you're bringing him in to be like that veteran guy who can kind of, you know, just be the captain on that defense and direct everything for for him to have to keep doing this year after year oh my um, gosh it, like you know and and he's he's one of the greatest of all time at it so like if if you have to have someone kind of be that that veteran leadership presence to kind of get a, a defense together right away and and get everyone in order like he's the guy to do it but there's got to be a point where he's like guys like i i, I don't want to i don't want to keep doing this i think this is his last year it's got to be i but you know like you know, when like we saw like LeBron like a couple nights ago, like struggle against the Suns, and everyone's like, "LeBron, like t- father time's catching up to you," like all that stuff. If someone's an asshole about Brody Merrill, he's been so effective the past two years. Like, actually, uh, one of the better defenders still. But if someone's an asshole to him this summer about father time and time catching up to him, father time oh, he's being gonna defeated, go off. He's gonna go off. I- Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! I could see him and uh, Ryder just going at it this summer, like you know, Ryder just chirping him for being old, and Brody taking none of it. Yeah. So I mean, so so Brody will get going against Ryder. The, uh, so later tonight, seven p.m. Eastern, <clears throat> it'll be on Peacock. Uh, so if you haven't already, uh, head on over to Peacock, get your subscription. Um, pretty pretty sure. How, how how much is do you know off the top of your head here, Dukes? Have have you done that recently? I know it's got to be less than, it's got to yeah. be cheap. It's got it's got to be cheap. Plus, you'll get the office. Um, but yeah, so it it all gets going. Redwoods and Cannons, Gillette Stadium, Friday night, seven p.m. Five dollars. Five dollar bills, guys. Listen, if 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 you can't afford it, Venmo request Jake. Jake Jake is currently in the Bermudas, so obviously, in is it the no? It's just Bermuda. It's not Bermuda. the Bermudas. Jesus I like Christ. the Bermudas. Yeah, it's happened more it, than one. That just that just shows how poor I am. Um, <laughs> but if if you can't afford it, Jake's living the big life in Bermuda right now. So just Venmo request him, and he'll pay for your Peacock subscription. Um, but yeah, so week week one, we got Redwoods Cannons, Chaos Whip Snakes. Atlas Archers, Cannons get it going again against the Water Dogs, the two most recent expansion teams, battle for supremacy in that one. Uh, and then Redwoods go again against the Chrome. So, um, you know, it's going to, it's a, a different setup this year with, um, you know, one, great for fans because we get the Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. Um, and then two, different for players because, um, you know, e- each week there are going to be a couple teams that have to go uh, two games o- over the weekend. So, um, you know, what, what do you got thinking for this, this opening matchup Redwoods cannons? I feel like the cannons might surprise me, but I'm going to go with the Redwoods. Um, I just think that that defense still, that just the continuity between them. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who, who they start in goal. That's what I'm really looking out for. But I think that the Cannons, just one week of practice, the Redwoods have had multiple years of practice together. Uh, I, I'll, I'll stick with the Redwoods. Yeah, I, th- I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what Rob Pinnell is able to do. Like, I, Pinnell, he was good last summer, 
but like I, I don't really think that it was like RP3 level. Yeah, it, it wasn't the same RP3 that we're used to seeing. And like I said just a couple of minutes ago, like I'm not going to use like that like against RP3. Like it's a coming to a new team, don't really have any time to practice with your guys, and you're just playing a sprint of a tournament. Um, so you know, it, it's, it seems like uh, you know, it's, it seems like RP3 and and Jules are kind of you know, clicking a little bit and just from the videos that we've seen from training camp, um, add Ryder to the mix, just that little water bug who just, so, I mean, I would fucking hate to play against Ryder. Like he's just, you want him on your team. You need him on your team, but like he, he doesn't shut up and nothing that he does makes sense. Like the way he moves his body, the way he gets his shots off, like none of it, like, like you, you can be like, okay, like, you can have a game plan on how to guard Ryder and all of a sudden he's like falling over, like twisting around and like none of it like looks good and it's all so effective. Um, you know, and then I, yeah, I, I just think that this, this Redwoods team, another one of those teams that's just so loaded. Um, and you know, when you can run some of these guys like Ryan Lee out of the box, Charlie Bertrand mm-hmm. out of the box, and then you just have Miles Jones stepping in for two bombs. Um, I, I think that the Redwoods are just a little, a little too loaded for the cannons right out of the gate. Those short stick D middies too, IDA, Jack Near, like Harberson, throw in Ocello, but you know, they're not all gonna start on game day, but Seriously, Jack Near. Jack Near is one of my favorite players personally to watch. He, he's another motor, just absolutely brings it every single game. Um, I think that if you're a younger lacrosse player, you should look at Jack Near's game and bring that energy every single day. Um, he's a player that everyone should watch. Uh, Chaos Whipsnakes rematch of last year's championship game. Uh, so we just got done hearing Jack Rowlett talk about how. Um, he, he hopes to have a better outing against Zed Williams this time mm-hmm. around. Um, so chaos whip snakes. You know what? I'm going to go actually, I'm going to go chaos. I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that hearing about how AT got on the boys after, after kind of getting their, uh, their dicks kicked in a little bit. In, in a training camp scrim, like I think that they'll be dialed in. I think that the whip snakes maybe um, not, not, not that they like, necess- I don't know. I, I just, I don't know like how hungry they'll come into this one. Although they're so fucking good. They don't even need to be hungry. They could have just ate and they're still fucking, Oh my God. They're so good. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm going chaos though. Coming out on top. Blaze has to get a big win over Rambo to start the season. Just yeah, for, you- just for shit talking points. Do you, do you really believe that, or is this just because of the Jack Rowlett interview? It's a, it's a, it's a lot to do with the Rowlett interview. I'd, <laughs> I'd say 70% because of Rowlett. I, I, I got to take the whip snakes. You know, I love the, I think the chaos, the chaos have one of the best rosters when Justin Trudeau acts like a, like a good prime minister, when he just lets them play lacrosse in the States. But since Justin Trudeau is still an asshole, I'm going to take the whip snakes. But I do think that it'll be close. And I'm excited for that Rowlett-Zed uh, matchup. And I, I hope Rowlett wins that matchup because just hearing him talk about last year and how it's been on his mind, I think that he's going to come out so, so hungry. Yeah, That's, everybody uh, should have their eyes glued to that. 
We need Justin Trudeau to be Justin Trubro and just let oh. the boys play. Oh, I like that, wow. Jordy. Yeah, I, I kind of like that one too. Um, but no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still going. I'm still going chaos. Just because I believe in Blaze. Yeah, I mean, hot goalie. You see what they can do. Hot, like, hot, hot goalie, and and again, he he needs that. Like anytime he plays Rambo, like that's got to be like his. Mm-hmm. Like, like that, that's when he's got to be dialed in the most, especially because Rambo's got him, got, got, got the, the better of him quite a few times so far in the few seasons of the PLL's short history. Uh, Atlas Archers, um, very, very excited to see how Connor Fields looks in this Archers offense. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I, did, did you see any, like, has he been playing? With the attack in training camp, or has he been coming out of the box? Because I feel like you still got to keep uh, Will Manny out there as your as your lefty. I do too. I think that Fields has a tendency to get the ball stuck in his stick a little bit, which is his, like at Albany he could get away with it. But well, it, yeah, it's, all- it's 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 how he's like the best at what he does. I, yeah. I feel like I've I don't want to sound like a hater. I'm kind of a hater about Connor Fields. Um, obviously, he was like runner-up MVP two years ago, so I look like an idiot. But I don't know. I think you have to take Connor Fields out of the box. But if he be, if he can't, then I guess Will Manny, right? Because he wouldn't run Mar- Marcus Holman out of the box. Well, no, and you would also want Holman on that right-hand side. Yeah, just to just to catch and just go bombs away every i think time it's got to be fields out of the box yeah so but but still like so if, if you have if you have fields and manny being able to so you have grand event just slicing dicing fishing dimes all over the place to manny you get uh you get connor fields who you can get out there and play some two-man games too because he, he's mm-hmm. a box guy as well um you know that 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 midfield group um, where you can also, you know, you have Ambler coming around, Sankey, um, and then, you know, obviously just put the ball in, in Tom Schreiber. So I, I think that this will be another good year for the Archers. The Archers looked great in the bubble um, mm-hmm. from the start, maybe not so much in, in the, you know, once you got to those playoff rounds. But, um, yeah, very excited to see what that Archers offense looks like. Um, and then the Atlas, you know, I'm – I'm not like crazy about that roster, but the more that you've talked, the more I'm like kind of coming around on them, but I'm, I'm going archers in this one. Um, I'm probably going to go archers in this one too. Also just talking about, we're talking about great grand Matt and what he can do. And you're talking slice and Dyson. Grand Matt's also just retiring bodies. Um, he retired an Atlas member last year. Shout out uh, Kyle, Kyle Hartzell. But also Christian Mazzone for the, uh, the Archers really impressed me last year. And I'm just looking at the defense. Graham Hasek, he's going to be a weapon for the Archers. And is this Jackson Place's first game since the injury two years ago? I would imagine so, yeah. Me too. So just shout out to him for bouncing back. That was a scary injury. But yeah, I like the uh, Archers in this one. But wouldn't be surprised with an Atlas victory. So I'll go a little Jake there. I'll go two-man game. Yeah. Um, also, while uh, while while Shido's out of out of town, I'm going to say that if if Granamant or if anyone else in the league who wears ankle socks wins an MVP this year, there will be no more ankle sock slander allowed. Deal. So, Jake, you 
you, you've, you've been outvoted here. So um, just yeah. going back to the ankle socks too, really quick. I saw that my high school, uh, some Garden City lacrosse players were wearing ankle socks and I, not just like one or two, like seven or eight. Grow up, stop looking like dweebs. And it's just disgusting to look at. No one wants to go to your games and see your gross ankles. You guys don't even have good calves. Just it's all in my mind for the past couple I, of weeks. I've, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think ankle socks, if you're playing in the summer, totally fine. Like, if, it, you know, if, if you head to the beach for the weekend, mm-hmm. you get a nice tan going, right? And, and like, you want to sh- – like, if, if you've got that nice tan going and you've got the, you know, the calf definition and then kind of showing off how it tapers off into the – fine. Yes. But if, if you're playing spring ball and everyone's looking a little gross out there, like your, light, your legs haven't seen the sun in God knows how long, um, yes, mid, mid-calves. But, Cloudy day um, in March on Long Island, like just gross. It's yeah, a bad look. Yeah, but, but it meant in the summer, mm-hmm. ankles, go for it. Um, all right, Cannons play their uh, – all right, so first off, uh, the, the Chaos Whip Snakes, that'll be 5 p.m. on Saturday. You can catch that on NBC Sports Network right after that game, uh, 7.45. That'll be on Peacock, which is the Atlas versus the Archers. Then we get into Sunday, uh, back again on NBCSN. Cannons playing their second game of the weekend against the Water Dogs, 1 p.m. Is there any way that the Cannons – get their franchise started with back-to-back losses in week one? 100%. 100%. Um, we were just talking about how we think the Water Dogs are one of the best teams in the league. You can't win on Friday night. It's kind of, yeah. Remember when we were going back to the, the Notre Dame weekend when they played Duke and UNC? Where, where, where you, like they got to get – Yeah. Yeah. You got to get one of those victories. It's kind of like that. If you don't win that first one, that second one's going to be even tougher. So I think that the, if the Cannons don't want to come out 0-2, they got to they gotta show up on Friday night. Tonight. Yeah, un- unless, unless David Stern comes around and kind of puts a few things in, in place for the Cannons to get one win. But, <laughs> but, but, but if, if the PLL is not getting sterned, then I, I do think that uh, Cannons going 0-2 on, on opening weekend, which, you know, I mean, it's a tough draw for them. I, I think um, – you know, it, it actually it would have been nice if the league was able to uh, schedule that opening game against the Atlas for the Cannons because, mm-hmm. one, you, you could do Rabel opening up week one against the Atlas, and then, two, like, I think that that would probably be their best chance to get a win. Um, but, yeah. The PLL so, should just talk to you because that was a great idea. That was yeah. one of the best ideas I've heard. Well, it's one Big of the brain. only ones that I've had. But, uh, yeah, I mean, opening up with Redwoods and Water Dogs back-to-back on the same weekend – Tough scheduling for the cannon. So yeah, I'm, I'm also going water dogs there. Um, but I, I do just want to say this right now. There are going to be people out. Michael Sowers is not going to look great in week one. Mm-hmm. It, it just, it's going to take a little while because we we've mentioned before, like what he does isn't necessarily the same as like a, um, like a Connor Schellenberger where like he he's, he can go to the cage and score but I, I don't think that he's like a, a score. He's, he's clearly not a score first mentality guy. So he, he needs enough time for the guys around him to get used to him. Um, so if he struggles a little bit in this first game and someone out like, and if you're someone out there who's ready to fire off a take and you're looking to get real reckless with it about, Oh, well, Michael Sowers was washed up at Duke and now he can't even play in the pros. 
you're going to look like an absolute fool by the end of the summer. So that's just a little warning to everybody out there. If Sowers doesn't look great in week one, maybe just just put the seatbelt on that take that you're about to fire out and and let it marinate for a couple weeks before you you let that one fly. Um, Him and Ryan Brown also can turn it. Like you're saying, he can't go to the cage. His quickness by itself can draw slides, which will open up one of the most lethal shooters in the world. A person who is world MVP only three summers ago. So I think that anyone that's going to hate on Sowers if he has a week, week, week one, will will look like a fool, like you said, by the, uh, by the end of the season. All right. So it seems like we're both on water dogs on that one. And then finally, to close out the weekend, Sunday, 345 on Peacock. Redwoods, they're playing their second game of the week, and they'll be taking on the Chrome. Um, so, you know, that, that Chrome team, you get – you know, a, a lot of familiar faces. Obviously, this will be the first game without Donowski around. The Donowski, I feel like he should be, uh, although I guess if, if he retired, he probably wanted to have his summers off. I was going to say, I can't believe they wouldn't add him to the coaching staff just because he's coached so many of these guys already. Um, totally. But, you know, so, so a lot of familiar faces. You get to add JT Giles Harris. Um, who else did they add? Justin Anderson. So, oh, and, and Tara Fanko. So, um, you know, a decent Far amount, line. yeah, de- decent amount of, of youth being injected into the roster. I think that they were, you know, getting, they were getting a little up there over the past two summers. Um, so, you know, that, that team going up against a loaded Redwoods team, but it'll be their second game of the weekend. So, uh, rest versus rust who, who comes out on that battle. I like the Chrome. I, I just love like the Chrome in general, I think they're a really talented roster. And we were talking about Ned Crotty's age. And I remember two summers ago watching the Chrome and being like, wow, like, I can't believe Ned Crotty's still playing. I remember being like 10 years old watching him play. Dude, he, he still, but he, he still really good. impressed me. Yeah. He, oh, he was so good last summer. So I, I expect him to still have a great summer this year. But also, Joel White didn't play last year. And we saw how the Chrome back, how they call it. Uh, so I'm excited to see Joel White out there. I like the Chrome in this one. Um, I like that attack line. I'm excited to see Heacock uh, get integrated into this offense. And we saw what uh, we heard, at least, what Jack Rowlett was saying about them from their scrimmage, how the chaos had the Canadian style and how they're the downhill Dodgers. They're that more traditional offense. So I'm excited to see the, uh, see the Chrome. I'm, I'm also a little excited for uh, Connor Farrell versus TD Erlin at the faceoff stripe. Good call. Like I, I, I love the milkman. Don't get me wrong, he's awesome. But but the milkman has also been getting like so much buzz over the past two summer. Like I I'm I'm excited to see if the buzz for Connor Farrell is worth it as much like as the face-off guy than like as the personality. So if if he's able to to keep it tight with Erlen, then yes. But if not, then it's like, okay, this guy's mostly just an awesome personality. You don't think he's good at like faceoffs? We'll we'll see. On Sunday, I, I like. I yeah, don't think he's he's playing. He's he was like I think he was number two behind Nardella last summer. He was one of the he was dominant last summer. Again, I know you weren't big on the bubble because you just like it's kind of like the NBA. Some people call it like flukes, whatever. But I feel like. He had a good rookie year and he turned it up last summer. 
I do think that Erlen and him is going to be a great battle, and it's going to be like we're going to see where where each other stand because the rules are different for Erlen, right? Yeah, I, it's I different mean, PLL I, rules. I I wouldn't I wouldn't classify myself as a milkman hater because like I I love the guy, but I just want to know like where like if 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 there's a spectrum like on on the hype train for Connor Farrell, is it? Like, where is the meter in terms of for his personality and for his face-off prowess? I'd I'd say at the like right now it's like it's it's a for me personally it's leaning more towards personality. Not much. I'm not saying like it's all the way over at the end there, but I just want to see where that's at after this weekend. All right, so here I'm looking at. I had to pull up the stats because I'm I'm a milkman. I would call myself a milkman stan because I do think he has the big personality, which is like needed in the league. But year one finished third in faceoff percentage, tied with Nardella for second. So he and and, and he's like a, and he's a huge energy guy too. So like yep. the, the the ones that he went and like when he scores like that gets the boys juiced up. So like again, I'm 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 saying that it's it's not. It's not like fully. He's just a personality. He's not a face-off guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking like, right now I'm at like sixty forty. If anybody on my timeline tries to slander Connor Farrell, though, if he has a bad game on Sunday, I will have to throw hands. I will, I will meet anybody on I ninety five and I will throw hands with them because I'm the biggest Connor Farrell stand in the world. He's such a flid, and the way that he represents <laughs> out east on Long Island is so funny. Uh, I, can't, I can't get enough of that guy. Yeah. Fuck. I, I, I don't know. Now I'm like almost like regretting saying it because I do <laughs> like, I like, I love him like so much, but I, but this, here's what I'll say. It's going to be a good test for him. There we go. I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. It'll be a good test for him. There, there's no, there's no slandering going on here, but it, it'll be a good test. Um, you also know, just, I'm looking at the just looking at the face-off percentages, and we were talking about the water dogs and how they're going to be really good. And just to add to that, I'm seeing that Jake Withers and Drew Simino both finished three-four in face-off percentage last year, so they're going to be even better than I thought. Yeah, Withers, nice little just Ohio State grease ball. I feel like all those Ohio State guys are just like, mm-hmm. like they're they're they just. They just go like, like there's nothing like too flashy about any of them. Um, although like Jack Jasinski is like pretty like, I mean, he's shifty, but they're like, they, they all just like, they all just grind. Um, so yeah, that, that'll, that'll be big for them as well. Um, did we give picks on that one? Okay. So you said Chrome. Yeah. I'm going to, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to keep, on on the redwoods train like a little bit just so that we have different picks yeah i like that um, but but i i do really think that this redwoods team like top to bottom um especially if they can get just like vintage rp3 mm-hmm. is 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 a, a loaded team um but yes yeah, so, i mean that that's week one uh so i mean it all gets going tonight and listen here boys and girls we just got done watching one of the most exciting few runs in lacrosse that I can remember over the past couple of weeks from the, you know, the uh, really the, the entire season was awesome, but from the quarterfinals 
to Final Four weekend to that championship game. An unbelievable run that the sport of lacrosse has been on. And now we get to keep it rolling right into the PLL season. So um, enjoy it. Bask in it. Just, you know, get, get some friends that don't typically watch lacrosse and, and invite them over, throw on the game, toss back a couple beers, and all of a sudden you're going to have a few new lacrosse friends uh, in, in, your, in your squad because I feel like these are going to be games that are going to win over some fans very quickly, especially uh, if we're able to get some, some lines on these games. Uh, I, I know that there are a few sites out there that offer them. Um, hopefully the Barstool Sportsbook will soon. The, the Barstool Sportsbook will soon. So, um, you know, get some friends. We can all get rich. And we'll just be partying in our mansions with Joe Sy and Rod and Robert Kraft, and it'll be it'll be glorious. So, opening weekend of the PLL season. Make sure that you are following us on Twitter and Instagram at the Crease Dive. We'll have all the highlights and updates there. Uh, Duke, you'll be in Gillette on Friday for that opening game. So. Yeah. Uh, if, if, if anyone is heading to the game, make sure you find Dukes and, um, tell them, uh, Redwoods by five. <laughs> yeah. Notre Dame bloodline. <laughs> and in the meantime, we've been keeping it low to high for the day we die. I'm back. Yeah. I'm back.